You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church. There are some flowers you can only see if you go to the desert. That's the only place you can see them. There are some joys in parenting that only happen in this season in the way that they happen. I thought, well, I have till they're 18. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I don't know where I got that idea. <laughs> and parenting just keeps going. Yeah. Uh, it just keeps going. That's true. But it shifts. You can make your bed, but not out of love. And so at the end of the day, I'll say it this way, I'd rather an unmade bed by a child who knows how to love. If I have to choose, uh, rather than a child who made their bed, but did so out of a heart that didn't know how to love. All right, this is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my co-host first, the amazing Mrs. Cassie Bryan. How are you doing today, Cassie? I'm good. good. I'm a little insecure. We're all in person, just so our listeners know where. Yeah. And I came from the soccer fields. Ah. So feeling not so fresh or sure, if you remember those deodorant co- those commercials. So you're good, day. but you're feeling a little sweaty today? Yeah, but my daughter came back at the last quarter of her kindergarten soccer. So oh, shout out. What's, their, what's the mascot? What's the team name? Lions. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're the Lions. Lions. Lady we're, Lions. Ah, the Lady Lions. Did you a guys, lioness. did your high schools growing up, did they have different names for the girls' teams and for the boys' teams? Was it like Lady? Yeah, we did. We were, the boys were Bulldogs, and we really spelled it D-A-W-G-S. Like yes. on our gym floor, it was spelled like that. We were dogs. And then the girls were Lady Dogs. Lady, lady okay. Dogs. I thought I was afraid it was going to be like something, kittens yeah, or no. something still like dogs. that. Okay, no. still dogs, Lady Dogs. Uh, well, the voice you're hearing there is my beautiful wife, Chelsea Griffin. How are you doing today, Chelsea? I am just happy to be here, and I'm doing great. Great. Yeah. Well, what a delight to have with us in person today, the Zach Eswine, everybody. Here he is. Zach, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing well. My my uh, third child out of fun created the Zach Eswine, uh, the, tweet, the Twitter account. <laughs> At the Zach S. Does he just quote you on it? And then he let me know, I did this for you, Dad. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) 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 For you, Dad. That's right. (laughs) Well, today we are coming live from Citizens Church in Plano, Texas. Thank you, Citizens Church, for hosting us today. Mm -hmm. So kind. The incredible Chelsea Conway running the the boards over there. Thank you for recording us today. Uh, But, Zach, you just got done with the conference here. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time this weekend. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Thank you. Well, before we jump all the way in to kind of, you know, our podcast is about spiritual leadership in the home, talking to parents about how they lead their family spiritually. Would you tell us a little bit about uh, your ministry, a little bit about your family? Yeah, so I'm a pastor in St. Louis, Missouri. I've been at uh, Riverside Church for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. And my wife, Jessica, we cultivate life with four kids. And um, uh, I'm in my second marriage. My first marriage, I ended up Raising our three kids, uh, primary care of our three kids. I was eventually remarried, mm-hmm. and um, and so our age ranges span from uh, twenty eight to four years old. Wow! <laughs> so we have twenty eight, uh, twenty five, nineteen, and four years old. Wow! And has a lot changed in the way you parent from when you yes. first had the twenty eight year old yeah, to the four year old now? Dramatically. Yeah, yeah. What's is it you that's so different? You think, or is it is it culture, or is it both? Oh gosh! Yeah. Uh, culture is definitely different. Uh, yeah. The pace of things and the pressure. 
is definitely uh, mm. different than it was 20 years ago. But uh, I hope I'm I hope I'm different. Yeah, <laughs> amen. It was you know well, 25 years into parenting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we've learned a couple things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my family is similar. I'm 18 years, 17 years older than my baby brother. Okay. So I have a little brother who, and we were raised in very. We joke about we were raised in very different homes. It feels like, and mm-hmm. um, but so you have a brother who's like five years old. Uh, no, oh, you're okay. sweet. <laughs> He's 23 now, oh, which wow. makes me 40 next month. Hey, happy 40th hey, birthday! Yeah, thank you. We don't need to make a big deal. Of no, that, let's turn, let's turn. Like you know what? Let's change uh, let's, tactics let's here. Let's make yeah, this whole thing about you, yeah, Zach. Perfect. If you wouldn't mind, take it back. Um, Sounds good. I do remember though, in 2013, as I was becoming a mother, I I used my maternity break uh, to read some books, and I read Sensing Jesus. That's when it was still oh, Sensing Jesus. Oh and, yes. Um, and it ministered to me as I was praying about going back into ministry and to work as a mom and mm-hmm. all the different pressures we were probably going to feel from that, you know, being kind of just feeling kind of the external responsibilities of work and then the internal responsibilities of home and all of that. So anyway, I would love to hear what resources kind of shaped you in parenting uh, and what you kind of turned to, you know, when you were first becoming a dad and then even the second round are the resources that you've looked at that have been encouraging yeah, I think to begin with, I was a mess. You know, each of uh, each of my parents are in their third marriages, and uh, we have layers of family brokenness, and so uh, everyone doing their best, but none mm-hmm. of us really uh, knowing what wisdom God's wisdom was. And so, um, my uh, paradigms for parenting uh, were very broken. Mm-hmm. So I've depended. I've learned that my mom prayed for me, and. Uh, uh, I've de- I have needed uh, mentors in my life, and um, and the Lord has brought them. And so early on, it was Bob Smart, mm-hmm. Bob and Karen Smart. When I was in college, I uh, she taught Karen taught me that the first time someone comes into your home and offer them something to drink and show them where the bathroom That's is, awesome. you know, <laughs> she taught me how to make spaghetti, you know, and things like that. I saw them play, and I saw them argue. I saw them forgive each mm-hmm. other. It just gave me whole new ways of imagining how uh, marriage could be and parenting, would what it would look like. And so I think over the years, there have been uh, different different mentors like that mm-hmm. that I've, I've needed and relied upon. Even now, you know, as we're, uh, you know, on the one hand, we're <laughs> continuing to learn about toddler years. But on the other hand, we're making this shift with the book you all mentioned earlier, you know, um, uh, shifting our job description yeah. know, for parenting. Uh, kids are out of the house, and so we've we've just needed a, a great deal of help. Wow! Yeah, I love that that you've just had people in your life that have mm-hmm. been able to to shape that for you guys and mentor mm-hmm. you in that. That's so important. Um, as a pastor and a father, where do you see your roles of leadership kind of overlapping? Yeah, I think I well, I think at uh, in my worst moments, I see them as separate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with some type, yeah, some type of separate job descriptions, but. And the best gospel moments, I think I'm a human being called to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. So that can't be untethered from anything I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. That's right. And so as a human being, how do I live out that double love for God and neighbor in, a, in pastoral work? And as a human being rescued uh, and saved by Jesus, how do I live out that double love and the, uh, the fatherly uh, call and in my best moments it's more like that i'm i'm just zach who is a dad or zach who is a pastor uh the zach that jesus saved and the lord loves and when i remember that then uh 
uh, it's just a different, I have a different ethos, a different mindset, a different approach. When I forget it, I'm trying to put on some type of thing I think I'm supposed to do or be, mm. as if somehow that's untethered from double love and from who I am. Mm. That's mm-hmm. good. Yeah. Well, we want to learn from you today. On our on our podcast, we talk a lot about um, moments and that happen spontaneously as well as dedicated time in our homes to talk about the gospel or talk about the word of God. Uh, we're wondering if you would share some favorite moments in your home of conversations about God that y'all have had. Hmm. Uh, one of my favorite moments is uh, four years old, our oldest son uh, asking about heaven. And uh, I, I talked, I, Began to talk about uh, heaven. I said that lions, uh, you can pet lions there. Mm-hmm. And that lions and other Lady animals, lions uh, too? Yeah, <laughs> lady lions too. And um, he asked me if I would die. And uh, there you are in that moment, wow. you know, four years old. Mm. I said, yes, I will. And, uh, and but can I tell you a secret that's wonderful? And uh, And so we talked about, Heaven has a zoo. That's how I put it. Heaven has a zoo, and uh, uh, that's where we we can meet together. And um, if I if God brings me to His happy home first, uh, I'll be waiting for you, Heaven Zoo. And when you get there, we're gonna go pet the lions together. And he he stood up on the bed. He threw his arms out and he said, "Wow!" <laughs> and then he just fell back on the chair uh, on the bed. And I have not forgotten it because I thought there's a picture there. Mm. Um, and so for us, uh, talking about God is just all of life. And um, so if we're watching some television show, it's, well, that character is not showing love, is it? We, we mm. orient around double love. So uh, that character is struggling to show love, huh? And um, things like that. When you say orient around double love, can yeah. you unpack that a little bit? What do you mean? Well, there's, um, you know, there's there are things to do, you know, uh, make your bed or, you know, or whatever it is. But there are different temperaments of kids. And um, and at the, at the heart of it, you can make your bed, but not out of love. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, um, I, I'll say it this way. I'd rather an unmade bed by a child who knows how to love hmm. if I have to choose. Uh, and uh, rather than a child who made their bed but did so out of a heart that didn't know how to love. Hmm. Uh, that's how we know we belong to Jesus, is that we uh, we are faithful to this double love um, command. And so I don't mean to bifurcate those things, but but to integrate them. And so that's the heart of it for us, is, is this uh, an act of, of love? Uh, to skip ahead, when one of our uh, older children walked away from God and walked away from Jesus, dad, my oldest, Dad, I'm, uh, I, I don't believe in God anymore. I'm not going to go to church anymore, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to talk to you about it. Wow. That was a hard day and a hard uh, six years. But in those moments, you know, when you're wrestling through all that, and I'm a pastor, uh, at the end of the day, I came to realize, and I'll try to say it carefully, um, uh, my my earnest hope isn't that he comes to church. At the end of the day, it's that he loved the Lord. Amen. Mm-hmm. If he loves the Lord, the church stuff will take care of itself. Mm-hmm. So I was tempted to emphasize church, mm-hmm. and what we learn to do is to emphasize this God who loves him and uh 
And, um, you know, over time, that won out by the grace of God. Mm. And, uh, of course, our son loves the Lord and walks faithfully with him today. And But that's difficult, too. Mm. So this double love, being tethered to it, is something we talk about because I just so easily lose it. Yeah. And this, um, so that any act of faithfulness or obedience or, uh, you know, doing what's honorable and right and good needs to stay tethered to that heart of love. Yeah. yeah. Can I, I want to ask you another question about that. I know we've got other questions to ask too, but I know we have a lot of listeners who maybe their, their parents are in this, or we've talked to people who they call like a prodigal child, like mm-hmm. a child who has wandered from the faith. Mm-hmm. For you during that season, that had to be fairly discouraging to a degree mm-hmm. or just like, what was it like being a parent during that? And then how, where did you find comfort in the Lord during that? Where did you turn? Well, you feel like a failure. Yeah. Well, first you might feel, you might take it personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, as if um, someone's faith in someone's relationship with God is somehow— um, It was on you. It's you on me, right, yeah. as opposed to each person having their own you know, heart with God. So you take it personally. Um, then you might cr- try to cross boundaries. So like my oldest son, I'm not going to talk to you about it. I didn't respect that. <laughs> it's hard to. It's hard I to respect that. Yeah. Um, but we we're in a blended family situation. It required, um, he, he could easily leave mm-hmm. and, uh, and go to a place where he wouldn't have that. And so uh, uh, trying to, I think, come to the place of realizing, okay, um, I feel like a failure. I want to cross boundaries. Now I'm realizing, okay, my child is living with a Christian. Mm-hmm. Doesn't want to talk about it, but it's living daily with a real life Christian. Mm. Um, what do I hope that he experiences mm. from me as a, a living Christian? Uh, because whatever he's thinking about Christianity, he keeps coming into contact with a real one yeah. every mm. day. And I can either, I mean, I can um, uh, help him see why he's right. To reject God, or or I can continue to invite him to a a counter way of experience. Uh, uh, for me, it's um, having to ask forgiveness uh, over and again. Yeah, and uh, and asking forgiveness with stone cold face looking back at me, mm-hmm. and uh, that looks like being in a bedroom, his bedroom, at you know those years ago, and. Uh, he would say it this way. He knew what buttons to push, mm. and I took him up on it. Mm. And uh, I'm speaking to him in a way that uh, no father should speak to his child. And uh, and I, I, by God, the grace of God, stop myself midway and say, I am way out of line. You know, you never deserve to be spoken to like this by anybody, wow. much less me. Mm. I love you, and I'm wrong. And... Uh, and then I, uh, I leave. I go, and I'm just weeping on the bathroom floor. Mm. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not crying like a baby. I'm crying like a man. And I'm uh, laid out, and I'm looking to the Lord, and I go back in and then say, um, repeat that, and then say, will you please forgive me? Silence, stone-cold face. Mm. And then I just walk away. Um, we still live in the same house the next day and the next day, the next day, you know. Um, and I think I began to meditate on the, you know, the prodigal son. But here's the, th- the those stories. There are uh, the four of them, you know, the lost sheep, the coin, and uh, the two sons. Right. 
And the thing that strikes me there is that the, in three of those cases, the God is pursuing. Mm. And in one of them, he's not. Mm. He's waiting. And, um, mm. and, realize, try, and learning to discern wh- where are we at. That's good. Here. And then another thought is my papa. I began to think about my papa, who was in his 70s before he began to turn back to Jesus. Wow. And I thought about my mamaw's prayers all those years. I thought about my mm-hmm. papa's mom's prayers, which I'd come to learn about. And I began to pray differently. Lord, even if I never see it, mm-hmm. even if I never see it, please, please uh, reach my child. Mm-hmm. Wow. And... Uh, that's that's a different way of praying, you know, in a mm-hmm. different way. So those are a handful of yeah. vignettes, you Thanks know. Thanks for sharing that, that, yeah. that desperation even yeah. in your heart yeah. for your son's soul. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Adam's mom is a prayer warrior, and mm. there's so much fruit that's visible now in the life of their family from the prayers of your mom, Adam. Amen. Mm-hmm. That's right. I don't. I wouldn't be who I am if my mom didn't turn to the Lord on my mm. behalf. Amen. And constantly— right. Mm. Fervently and for a long time, and, mm. she yeah. st- and she still does. Yeah. Okay. I'm all teary eyed. Yeah. Uh, thanks for sharing <laughs> so much, Zach. Um, we want to know um, in your role as a father, is there a special scripture or verse or story that you always come back to? Or are there scriptures that you lean on in your role as a father? Hmm. It'd be interesting. I'd love to hear what they the kids might say to that question about a story I come back to. Which story would they roll their eyes at? Yeah, we've heard this over and again. <laughs> you know, um, and which uh, scripture? I think the um, there is the psalm in Psalm, uh, maybe it's seventy-one, where there's this prayer. Even when I'm old, uh, gray hairs in old age, yeah. um, declaring you know the gospel, your works to the younger generation. That's mm-hmm. a a passage I come back to a lot for myself. Yeah. Uh, but the the idea of the father, uh, how we relate to our kids is really rooted in how we imagine we're being parented by God. Mm, yeah. And so I need to come back again and again to the fact that I'm a loved man. I think the strength of the theological tradition that I'm part of, and I think we all are, the strength of that is the legality. You know, in a courtroom, I've been vindicated. I've right. been delivered. Yeah. Um, it's but in the language is courtroom language, judge, mm-hmm. um, sinner, perpetrator, uh, forgiven, incredible. Never want anything less than that. Mm-hmm. But there's more, and, and and in that language, there's no necessary love language, right. you know. And so um, I go back to that passage in Ephesians uh, five one: imitate uh, God as dearly loved children. Mm-hmm. So you're already dearly loved. Go get them. That's and, good. Uh, when I remember that, then I can relate to my kids out of being a loved man. And when I forget, I don't. So our little boy, Noah, he's four years old. I would say to him each night, you know, and Jessica would say, we would say, uh, you're a loved boy. Noah, you're a loved boy. And uh, he has started to say, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am a loved boy. <sighs> and one of his nieces uh, were visiting and she said, uh, Noah, you're a little boy. And he said, no, I'm not. I'm a loved boy. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and uh, it's melted me. Yeah. Uh, and Jessica, we've been meditating on it. Could mm. we say that to the wow. Lord? Like, do we know that that's what we, the Lord says, I, in Christ, I love you. And can we say, 
yes, I am a loved man. Yes, I am a loved mm. woman by the grace of God and Christ. It's the truth. And so we're learning from our little guy. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I need bit. that. I need that. Like when you think about, you know, if, if, if I'm in, being insulted is more rare than me insulting myself. Mm. I typically like if mm. somebody's going to say something harsh, it's me towards myself. Yeah. But mm. to think about being able to say like, no, that's not true. I'm a loved man. Mm-hmm. I am a loved man. Well, and we kind of breezed past it, but you said something there at the beginning about we parent the way that we feel like the father mm. is maybe, or the way we perceive the father parenting us maybe. And, yeah. and that's yeah. often colored by like misbelief or doubt or fear or like things that are not true about the way the father loves us. And so I just, that's really, it's really convicting to think about like uh, my parenting flaws might reflect more on my, like what I'm, believing wrongly about God and his love for me than it, than it does about. That's good. That is true. Mm, So that's really good. Hey friends, it's March. And that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year. It's part of the reason I'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special Easter deal. This is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family. Our friends over at Lithos Kids are having an Easter basket sale. They've got the brand new Little Pilgrims Big Journey complete box set. It's now available. Guys, I can't tell you how much I love this resource. If you don't have it, you need to go check it out. Kids and parents have loved reading about Bunyan's beloved tale of Christian and his adventure to follow the king's path to Celestial City. And now you can get all three books in one box set along with a map and it comes with a coloring book and the whole thing is just 60 bucks. You can use the code FAMILY10 to get 10% off your entire order at Lithos Kids right now. So what a great discipleship opportunity. To find all this, go to lithoskids.com, see all the items in their Easter promo, including their new release, The Parables of Jesus, and the Kingdom of God Bible Storybook. Guys, we love Lithos Kids. You're going to love them too. Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, FAMILY10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at LifeWay.com, and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero, at LifeWay.com. The new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. Well, speaking of things Zach said, Zach, I, there's not a lot of books that I've read more than once, but Imperfect Pastor is one mm-hmm. of them. I've read it several times. And I, it's one of my absolute favorite books on spiritual leadership. We have all of our elder candidates read it at our church. Mm-hmm. I, I love this book. You have such a way with words. It's so poignant. It's, so, it's, it's just, to me, a huge blessing of like a, your voice in leadership in my life as a pastor. I think a lot about the concepts though in the book too, of how it applies. It can easily apply just as aptly to a father or to a mother. Mm-hmm. And we'll let you, I'm not going to go into a whole book for everybody, but in the book, <laughs> you describe pastoral leadership as a kind of service. And you say, servants give their days to small, mostly overlooked tasks over long periods of time with no accolade. 
And that, to me, that sounds a lot like parenting. Yeah. Yeah, well, like uh, these small, mostly overlooked tasks over long periods of time with no accolade. I wonder, how can parents, if, you, if you're counseling a parent today from that sentiment, from things you've written, how can parents fight that temptation to be great, to be acknowledged by their child, by their spouse, by other parents, and be satisfied in the small, mostly overlooked tasks? Yeah, that's a big question that we need each other's just daily help, you know, with the promises of the Lord. But there's so much pressure around to do large things famously as fast as we can. Mm-hmm. And that applies to us as parents. And so a lot of us as young parents, uh, our child's four and we feel like we've already ruined them. You know <laughs> what I mean? Or if we don't if we don't have this particular diet for the child or if we don't avoid the toxins in our water with the chlorine or if we don't, uh, any number of things. Sure, it's never ending list, It's already right? ruined. Yep. And we have access to all that information. So it's not that those things aren't important to think about. It's just, oh my goodness, we're going to. And, and so what's happening is that's a sprinting mentality. And just almost anything that matters in life can't happen in a fast way like that, whether it's learning how to paint or uh, getting through sickness or learning to forgive somebody or having a a true friendship uh, or marriage. But parenting is one of those things, small, mostly overlooked, long period of time. So we need each other's help to take that wisdom point of view, which is a long point of view, that our parenting is we're going to parent through seasons of life. Uh, So there's... uh, there's birth, there's youth. This is wisdom talk from the Proverbs. Then there's gray hairs, then there's old age, and of mm. course, death. And so, but youth, gray hairs, and old age. So, we're, we're, uh, I, a mistake I made is I thought with our oldest kids, I thought, well, I have till they're 18. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I don't know where I got that idea. <laughs> and then parenting just keeps going. Yeah. It uh, just keeps going. That's and, true. Um, it, but it shifts in, uh, and so there is just there is hope. Four years old, but by God's grace, that child might be forty one day. Yeah, and that child might be sixty four. And um, if God gives us life, and there's a lot of hope in a long story. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so I mean, very personally, my mom and I didn't talk for about eight years. Wow. Um, uh, an, an, invi- an invitation, if she was here, I'd love to hear how she would describe it, but in an imperfect way, trying to invite uh, to a different way of relating in the midst of all the broken family that I was sharing about. And um, our relationship now uh, in my 50s is becoming something I, I, I would have longed for but couldn't have imagined. And I know she'd say that she would have longed for and couldn't have imagined and um, there's a whole new way of being mother and son. Wow. Uh, and so, and I know she would have felt like a failure, you know. Um, and I, as a mom, I would have felt like a failure as a son, you know. I don't know. There's some kind of long view. I know we all don't get all those years. Mm-hmm. I know. I don't understand why the Lord sometimes takes our our children go home before we want them to or our parents go home before we want them to. But but a lot of times there there is a long story of hope there. Amen. So we need each other's help to remember that. Yeah, and you skipped the part where we're still parenting once we're petting lions yes, one day, that's right? right. <laughs> yeah. After after death. Uh, one of the other things you say in the book is you say pastoral calling to feed others is secondary, uh, secondary to and flows out of a prior desire for the loveliness of Jesus Himself. 
I would love for you to think just for a minute, what could you say to the discouraged parent who really wants to lead well, but right now Jesus just does not seem lovely? Hmm. You're saying, you kind of like you were talking about earlier with making the bed. You're doing what you're supposed to, but there's a greater love there. We want you to parent not just because you're supposed to say these kind of things to kids, but out of a supreme love of the Lord. And what if they're feeling discouraged, just going, I've never felt that, or I don't feel that right now, or is yeah. it really about feelings? What are, what are we talking about, Zach? Well, this may seem like a, a, a strange lane to come from the at this, but one thing to consider is a, the language we're surrounded by. Uh, and what I mean by that is this. Um, as C.S. Lewis talked about three kinds of language, mm. and uh, ordinary language, scientific language, poetic language. And he pointed out the need for all three. Uh, but poetic language is the is the is the God given way of speech that gives us the experience of a thing. So I can say it's sixteen degrees outside. That's scientific speech, precise. I can say it's cold outside. But if I'm from Africa and I've never been to uh, Missouri in January, uh, if I'm in October, I already think it's freezing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're trying to prepare the uh, friend for January. You say, well, it's going to get really cold. They don't have a concept of that. Or you say, uh, it's going to be like 16 degrees, wind chill below zero. It doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. So you try to say, it's going to be so cold that no matter what coat you have on, it's like all the the windows in the house are broken open and uh, ice is just pouring in and your whole skin is going to bump. And you're just trying to find language. Now they're experiencing it. Mm -hmm. So what I'm as a background, what I mean is this. Sometimes... Uh, we're in a world of prose mm-hmm. when it comes to God. P-R-O-S-E. Yeah, P-R-O-S-E. Yeah. Doctrinal statements, which matter so much. Nothing less than that. Mm. But we're, we don't have a sense of the poetic speech. So, so I could say uh, God is omnipotent. Um, or I could say God is like a, an eagle underneath whose wings were held. Hmm. That's different. That is different. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. My whole being becomes engaged. So uh, an invitation, and you can do this with your children, it might help, but an invitation is, um, and I'd be happy to send this to us if it could help. I just made a list, but you could do it. There's fruitfulness in doing it for yourself too. If you walk through the Gospels, just look at the way Jesus pictures God Hmm. and the kingdom. And um, so... Uh, well, we already talked about God as like a, a, a shepherd with sheep, a, a woman with a coin, and et cetera, right? But uh, God and his kingdom are like a woman baking bread. God and his kingdom are like a fisherman with, it, with their nets. Um, God and his kingdom are like salt, like light. Um, and you just start going through there and begin to set in front of your heart again. The pictures, because we are like children before an infinite father. And um, sometimes the the picture that's given helps engage our heart again, which leads us back to the prose, you know, mm-hmm. the statements. And, um, and so that's one thing. And then another thing is relationally, uh, seeing the loveliness of Jesus. Sometimes we need to see others who see it. That's good. And putting ourselves around people who do have a glimpse of his loveliness That's so good. can help us. Yeah. Man. 
Thanks for being here. I know. Oh, Don't you kind of all just want to hug them? Can we do like a big Thank you. We're, we're yeah. still going. We got more. I know. I just get, I cry, I cry very easily, which I'm grateful for. Um, I am too, right? I'm grateful for your tears. Yeah, our counselor told Adam he's supposed to, he's supposed to say that. Our thank you for your tears. Says, thank you for your tears. I love counselors. Is the right answer. Yeah. Thankful for your tears. Thankful for your tears. Um, I, <laughs> I have buckets of them. Um, I store them. Um, Zach, on our show, when we talk with parents about discipleship in the home, we talk a lot about parents repenting for sin with their families, with their children. Mm-hmm. In one of the chapters of your book called Everywhere for All, that's the chapter title, not the book, guys. Anyways, you say that you and I were never meant to repent for not being everywhere for everybody and all at once. You and I are meant to repent because we've tried to be. Mm-hmm. Can you unpack that temptation for us and maybe how it connects to the temptation for parents just to do everything right all the time? Yeah, that's <laughs> oh, that temptation is understandable. And it's best sense because we want what's best for our kids. And yeah. so we don't want them to have to go through anything yeah. that we're not there for. And and uh, and we're certainly aware in our own lives and other kids' lives who felt neglected or abandoned, absence of parents. So we don't want them to experience that. So there's a there can be a good and noble motive there. Mm-hmm. That's uh, a good way to say that. Yeah. yeah. But also, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the only one who can be everywhere for all and at once That's is God. Right. It's called omnipresence. Right. And, um, and so uh, each season of life, right, uh, we are gradually letting go and, and having to trust the Lord in a, uh, for our child. And maybe one way to think of it is this way. It might, whatever your child is having to learn right now, my guess is you're having to learn it too mm. in a fresh way. I like that. Yeah. So if the child, you know, our, a baby doesn't speak English. Right. So all they got in the midst of their fears and scarcity is crying. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so a baby doesn't sleep. It's, maybe it's not sleeping and it's crying a lot. And guess what's happening to us? We're not sleeping. And we're crying. And we're crying. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the baby is wondering, will we be there for them? They don't, they're not weaned yet. They don't yet know that we're there. So they feel fresh scarcity every time they're hungry or they mm. um, need to be changed. And what, are, what question are we suddenly asking in our life? Is God here for me? Yeah. Will he, will he care for us in the midst of my fear and sense of scarcity with this? Well, all along the way, um, it is often the case that we are in a fresh way being confronted with the same thing our child is trying to learn. And in that, both of us are reminded that we're both not God. That's good. You know? Yeah. And we're having to trust that he will be there everywhere and in every way that I can't be or that our child can't be. So our child... I guess it goes both ways. Our children mm-hmm. can't be God for us. We can't be God for them, but we can love each other. That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, none of us are perfect parents, um, which is good news <laughs> that we're not trying to have to live up to some expectation that God wants us to be more than what we are. And it's a blessing often for those who are feeling the pressure to be perfect to hear about the shortcomings of other homes. Can you think of times when things did not go according to plan in the S.Y. home? Yeah. Um, So many things haven't gone according to plan, (laughs) you know. Uh, Well, like um, whether it's uh, a child's faith 
and they're they're coming to terms with their own uh, way of relating to God and what that might or might not mean, whether it's um, a child uh, struggling with depression or mental health uh, challenges um, or something as simple as uh, you thought you'd have a nice vacation or a little weekend <laughs> away uh, or a nice Friday movie night or something, and then it just turns into everybody was mad at each other and mm. The thing we thought was going to happen didn't, and we were going to stream this movie, but that streaming's not working. Why isn't the streaming working? We don't know. And and all of a sudden, what started out as this great idea just becomes a Friday night in which we're all mad at each other, <laughs> having to say we're sorry, uh, even though the, the pizza rolls were right there uh, ready for mm. us. So uh, there's just such a range of small, ordinary nights like that. Uh, or if you... However you imagine some type of, um, if, if there's some way of imagining a family worship, I've already talked about how just all of life, thinking about God. But if there are ways that you, you get together and you read the Scripture together or you sing and or things together, um, I mean, that can just feel nuts. You know, that, <laughs> that, that you imagine it's supposed to be this sacred spiritual thing, and it is. But it's often the case we're in this marathon, mm. and uh, an eight-year-old— uh, or a 14-year-old encountering those things uh, and then encountering them on a given day. Some days we feel happier than others. Yeah, Some days we're harder than others. And so there's no romantic—it's it's easy to be romantic and think that's what God wants and then think we're failing because at the end of the day I had to ask forgiveness for something. But in the long run, having to ask forgiveness, for example, is a gospel act. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so our children are— it's not the way we wanted it, but they are seeing yeah. what the gospel does. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, uh, like you all were talking about in your workshop today, the thing that struck us with our oldest son when he began his way toward Jesus, uh, and I wish he was here, you could just hear him tell his story, but uh, one of the things he said, remember I said asking forgiveness, stone cone response? Right. I feel like a failure. We feel like failures. Years later, uh, he's saying those words were still in his head, really, and in his heart. Mm. And he he uh, and he began to uh, he said that he changed, but we didn't mm. in our love for him. And he couldn't um, those, those words of of us humbling ourselves to ask his forgiveness um, stayed with him. And somebody once told me, an older mentor, Bob Smart, it was, there comes a point where we talk, um, we talk more about our kids to God than we talk about God to our kids. I certainly encountered a season like that. And, um, uh, but the way our son encountered God was through my needing to ask forgiveness. Wow. Who would have known? That is not the I way. I love that. But at the time, you're not thinking, no. hey, when, if I do right. this, he's going to experience no, no. something from God. No. Right. You're not, just going through a genuine desperation I'm just, in the moment. I just, yeah, I'm, this is, I am, I have just uh, sinned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. We talk a lot about asking for forgiveness on the podcast and also just the idea of like we're planting seeds mm. and we don't know when or if they'll grow. But so much of Next Gen Ministry, whether it's for people like serving in the church as volunteers or teachers or it's parenting, it just is like you're just sowing a lot of seeds and hoping for some growth, hoping it'll bear fruit and trusting the Lord with that. Um, 
You talked a little bit about uh, the church earlier when you were talking about your oldest son and just wanting him to be part of the church and realizing that maybe there was a disproportionate desire for him to be part of the church rather than just to love God mm-hmm. and then the church thing follow follow that. Uh, but what would you say the important, I'm sure that you would say the church has also played an important role in the life of your family and in discipling yes. your kids. And so I'd love to hear you talk some about that. Well, again, I wish we could hear him share about this because I know part of his uh, the story he would share is that it, it it is what he experienced from us, the way we're describing, but he would also say the way the church related to him. Mm-hmm. So the way those core people, and again, he's a pastor's kid, you yeah. know, so there's that added whatever, but... Um, so they, you know, they, he would say that church is his church and, um, Mm. now, and because those people, uh, continued to relate to him the way they always had with invitation, open heart, love, love and, uh, again, that's that, that's that marathon rather than sprint. And, um, and so the church was vital to, to him. Praise God. Uh, and we needed we needed that mm-hmm. a community of people. I think about uh, others of our kids and how there have been key moments where we really needed other other followers of Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, our kids could hear from them in a way they couldn't hear from us at that time, yeah. Yeah. or receive receive even just presence and care in a way mm-hmm. that they might be distant with us on. And so, the community of God's people matters so much. Yeah. That's true. I'm, I'm grateful for you, to hear you say that. I think we we hear that uh, the sentiment, the hope for that a lot, that the family of God will be the family, will be present, will keep loving a kid. Or even like as a pastor, I think about my own sons and how mm-hmm. I want them to experience the church, not as dad's place of employment, but as a people wh- whom dad is one of, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, to hear them come alongside your son is, is uh, really a blessing mm-hmm. to us. Now, when you think about outside the church, you think about the culture. And a lot of our culture, at least where we are, is, is a non-Christian culture. Culture. And so a lot of discipleship that we talk about families is not just about, you know, inside the church walls and inside the home walls, but how are you talking to your kids about the culture they find themselves in? Could you share with us at all about for the Swine home? How did you guys think about helping your kids navigate a, a non-Christian, even an anti-Christian culture around your family as you're preparing your kids to be, uh, you know, launched out from your home? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um one one thing would be there was a key moment when it felt like we were all falling apart and we were being uh, fragmented as a family. And uh, we ended up uh, putting a big, we had a canvas down and uh, we just painted, this is our family. And then we wrote, um, we wrote things that are important to us as a family on there. That's sweet. And at the time, if you look at it right now, uh, it'll, one of them says, Jesus matters, but it's small mm. and it's off to the right. And then another one says, uh, the Bible is truth, or the Bible, the Bible and truth, something about that. It's small. And mm-hmm. to the, so if, if you come and look at it, you'd think, man, what are you, what's your family about? You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at that time, uh, uh, one of our kids would not have participated mm-hmm. if, if it was Bible, Jesus. It wouldn't have participated. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, uh, and another one of our kids would have been suspicious mm. because of where they were at with their faith in that moment. But inviting them to say, um, "All these, we love movies. We love to dance and sing together. We uh, we welcome people from other cultures to our table. Uh, we we try to forget. We want to forgive each other. You know, all these other things that Jesus teaches 
us are everywhere, all around there. Um, and our, 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 I didn't mean to talk about our oldest like this today, but uh, he has said uh, with a family who was asking about that at our table, uh, he said, um, if it wasn't like that, uh, he might not be with Jesus today, humanly speaking. Wow. Mm. He said, because, I, he said, I knew Jesus. So if they didn't put Jesus on there, that would have had its own effect. He wouldn't have thought we were being authentic. But if we made it, you know, sort of foolishly, stubbornly, all of, we know Jesus is the center, whether we're writing the the English word letters J E S U S in big words, or we know who He is. Our son knew that too. That enabled Him to hear. So there was one thing we just we had to remind ourselves of who we were, uh, even in that moment, uh, realistically to where we were as a family, and um, and that 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 mattered to us. Yeah, that's helpful. Um, Zach, where would you say you find or look for joy in leading your family to follow God? I think I'm learning that, you know. I'm learning to play again. And uh, I think the benefit, uh, like I said, we have a a 19-year-old is our third child, but then a four-year-old is next. And uh, a mentor told me, you're going to have two opportunities. One, you're going to be more tired than you were before. (laughs) Uh, this child will beat you at basketball before the other children did. Um, but you also have the opportunity to be a wiser, gentler, more yeah. enjoyable dad than you were before. And that is the real truth. Wow. Um, I think it's, I love playing. I hope I did, but uh, I know I do now. Mm-hmm. In a way, I I think I was more distracted before. Wow. And I think it's because I have no doubt. Uh, it's experiential knowledge. It's the fact. It's the truth. This season doesn't last. Mm. And there are some things, you there, there are some flowers you can only see if you go to the desert. Hmm. That's the only place you can see them. Uh, there are some joys that you, in parenting, that only happen in this season in the way that they happen. And so I think I just feel really attuned to that. And, uh, and uh, the Lord's helping me. Uh, find the joy of playing. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. Good. Speaking of joy, what a joy to have you on hey, with us today, Thanks so Zach. much. This is so great. Now, before we let you go, can you tell us a little bit about if somebody wants to find your ministry, they want to find some of the things you're doing now, hmm. or they just want to keep up with you, where do they look? And then could you also tell us what are some ways that we can be praying for Zach and for his family? Oh, thanks so much. Well, Riverside Church, um, St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, or a ministry called Sage Christianity. Mm-hmm. Sage Tell us about that. What do you guys do at Sage? Well, Sage Christianity. If uh, if you go to that website, um, keep in mind that the audience that we have in mind are folks who are challenging, questioning, doubting Christianity. Right. So we're trying to communicate from uh, a Jesus-centered biblical point of view for folks who are suspicious about that. And so we're not trying to win everything in one blog post or one interview. Uh, we are trying to plant seeds and uh, engage uh, conversation. So we're trying to create safe spaces, knowledgeable spaces, to have um, conversation about the questions that bother people most. And so that's what that's about, sagechristianity.com and, or .org. And, uh, and what you could pray for us, it sounds trite, but you really can pray for wisdom if you want to pray for it. And uh, a way to pray for each other is, uh, you know, you, you think about your different hats. I need wisdom as a, as a husband, wisdom as a dad, wisdom as a son, uh, wisdom as an uncle, wisdom as a pastor, 
uh, wisdom is. I will, I'll be a, we're grandparents for the first time this June. So hey, congratulations. congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. That's so so, what's your grandpa name going to be? Have you picked one out? It'll probably be Papa. Papa. Uh, yeah. That's probably, great. Probably. Yeah. My kids just picked one for me. They say Papa Papa, which they say means uh, <laughs> daddy potato, potato in Spanish. Dad yeah, potato dad. Papa Papa. Papa Papa. Papa. So we're holding on to that that's one. That's the best part. Yeah, it just comes from them. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, friends. If you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, please help us out by giving us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts. Visit one of our sponsors and share this episode with one of your friends. If you want to keep up with us, you can join the conversation at the Family Discipleship Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you listeners and we will see you next week.